All right, I like to get straight to the point. You know, what's with all the fluff? So if you're ready for a discount, go to Sweet Vibrations, type in Wild Love to get 15% off. But let me tell you why you really, really want this discount. Because Sweet Vibrations has been with us from day one. And can I be straight up with you? It's my favorite way to masturbate. They have my favorite sex toys. But not only that, I love the mission statement behind their company. I'm always talking about sexual wellness and really destigmatizing masturbation because masturbation is a vital part of self-care. And you know what? Self-love. This should really be a part of maybe your daily routine if you're like me or every so often. But this really is a way to show yourself some love. And look, you guys, there's so many health benefits that go along with it. Better immune system. You can sleep better. And it releases all of those feel-good chemicals. It's safe. It's normal. We all do it. It's not weird. So if you're looking for a new sex toy, check out Charmed by Sweet Vibrations. They just came out with this toy. It's super well-engineered, and it's made to flex and fit into any vulva with all the sensations and all the vibrational patterns to really give yourself that big O. So if you want to check out Sweet Vibrations, make sure you use our code WILDLOVE for 15% off. They're at Sweet Vibrations on Instagram or www.sweetvibes.toys. Have some fun. Big show today, you guys. We have sex and relationship coach and vaginal weightlifter Kim Anami coming on our show. You may have seen her on Instagram because she travels all over the world. She hosts retreats and salons, but she also takes the most beautiful photos of her lifting things that I can't even comprehend how she lifts with her vagina, from surfboards to bowling balls to chandeliers. She even says that you can move furniture with your vagina and that all of us are able to do that. We talk about how to reignite passion in a relationship, her definition of monogamy. She says most people's definition of monogamy is not quite right. And so it's really interesting to get her take on that. I hope you guys really enjoyed this episode. I know that there's a lot of information in here. And you know what? Maybe after you listen to this, you'll be moving furniture with your vagina. (laughs) Let me know if you enjoyed it. Post it on social media. Leave us a review. It helps us out so much. Enjoy. Okay, guys. Once again, you know me. I'm very, very excited. But this one is with Kim Anami. Maybe you've heard of her. Maybe you haven't. I think the first time that I was introduced to you, Kim, was I think it was on the Luke Story podcast. And this was maybe a couple of years ago. And I just fell in love with your message and everything that you're doing. You're just totally putting it out there. And I'm super intrigued by the vaginal kung fu. I don't understand how you do it. And I want to learn everything. So welcome. Thank you for being here. Thank you. My pleasure. Well, most people hear of me via my vagina, so I'm surprised you say that you heard of me (laughs) through Luke's story first, but clearly that was one of the attracting points. So it's lovely to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. I mean, so I do, there's so many different aspects to you that I absolutely love, but just to give people a little bit of background on who you are, how you got started in vaginal kung fu and being a holistic, you know, wellness coach and a relationship coach. Just give us a background on who Kim is. Well, even from a young age, as I was growing up, I had this awareness of my sexual energy and thought of it as this energetic portal to other dimensions. And my early sexual experiences reinforced this, where to me, it was like, 
I would end up feeling reborn, like the French term la petite death, la, la petite mort, the re- <laughs> la petite mort, the little death and rebirth. This idea of shedding old layers of who you are, who you think you are, false layers, and then being reborn as your true self. That those were my early experiences of sexuality was more of a spiritual transformation. And then in my early twenties, when I learned about Taoist Dawa, and tantric sexual techniques and philosophies that reinforced all of the things that I already knew from my own experiences. And then at the same time, I've always had this interest in how do people change? How do we grow? How do we become the best versions of ourselves? How do we self-actualize? And so I've had an interest in everything from transpersonal psychology and meditation practices and health and wellness and the alternative world. And then putting all that together has then been the whole ethos of my brand as a holistic sex and relationship coach, where I believe that looking at our sexuality and using this as a personal growth tool is one of the most powerful pivots and openings that we have to really, as I said, self-realize. And so I bring all of that into my work where I don't use band-aids. I encourage people to find the root cause and look at their symptoms as symbols, as messages from their higher self of how they can use these as windows of opportunity to become who they truly are. Oh, wow. I mean, because this is, this is a very different way to think about sex and orgasms and really tapping into yourself in that way. I feel like it's different than what society says it is. And it's really interesting to me that even from a young age, through your own experience, you believed in this, you know, there was a higher spiritual cause basically for orgasm and the expansion of consciousness. And so was this brought up, was this talked about in your family or was this something that really, truly that you fully experienced? No, it wasn't talked about in my family at all. And I often wonder how did this, how did this happen? And I, I feel like it was more like being given a wide berth. So rather than I think what happens with many people is they have a lot of false beliefs and trauma and blockages imposed upon them either through violation or through absorbing these ideas via the culture at large. And then that smothers over, that obscures their true nature. And I think somehow I got through rather unscathed maybe and didn't have a lot of that imposed. I mean, there certainly were like cultural things imposed, right? Like all women get this message that you can either be sluts or virgins, right? There's not this happy medium of a sexually Mm -hmm. voracious woman. So of course I've had my own trials of fire to move through, but perhaps in some way I was left unscathed and those things were able to emerge in me. And, and this really reinforces my philosophy, which I call the Anami guarantee, which is that all people can. All people, like say all women can have vaginal orgasms, G-spot orgasms, cervical orgasms, and can shoot ping pong balls and ejaculate across the room. That is the normal healthy baseline for every woman. Every man can last for three hours, six hours, you know, orgasm at will, and even learn how to separate orgasm from ejaculation. Every man can do this. 
the only things that get in the way are these superimposed blockages or traumatic experiences or buying into misinformation that's in the culture at large, which becomes myth, which then sort of becomes enshrined as fact, even though it often isn't. And so a lot of my work is about deconstructing these myths and these ideas. And as I said, the guarantee that all people can get there, they just need the right tools. Oh my gosh. I mean, that is, I feel like hearing you say that so many people listening right now are taking a deep breath thinking, thank God, because there's so, as you know, there's so many women who have never had an orgasm. I I get hit up a lot in my DMs about, you know, I've never had an orgasm or I've been with my partner for however many years and I've never been able to get there. Um, And then same for men, you know, it's, there's so much pressure for them to perform, but there's really not a whole, there's not a, a guidebook for them to understand how to do this. So what are some of the ways that we can bring orgasm, orgasmic pleasure to everybody? Well, I think that a big part of the work that I do is educating people about what's possible, right? Like what I just said, I guarantee that all men and women are able to get to these places. And if they're not, and if that feels very far away, then we look at, well, what's standing in the way of that? What, like I said, what sort of blockages have we picked up over the years and the decades that are smothering over this true, vital, vibrant expression of life force, sexual energy that everybody has. And so anyone like yourself or Wednesday who are doing the work to try to re-educate people about what's really possible. So I have my podcast, you have yours, I have a bunch of YouTube videos out that are trying to dispel these myths and then give people a different framework and new tools to get there. One, you know, for example, one of the great things that I suggest for people is doing yoni and lingam massage on yourself or each other as a healing conscious reawakening, de-armoring practice. And this can be extremely powerful for people. And And then for women, using a jade egg, practicing vaginal kung fu, this bringing this articulation, awareness, sentience into the vagina and exercising it like a muscle, just like it was meant to be exercised, just like Mm -hmm. any other part of the body. For men, practicing building stamina, right? There's this, you know, women... I would say would really be challenged to get to any kind of orgasm, never mind the deeper vaginal orgasms in a five minute intercourse encounter, right? No one woman's right. Gonna, she's going to be making excuses as to why not to have sex. Oh, I have a low libido. Oh, I have to clean the house again because no right. one wants to be fucked and pumped and dumped and slumped for like five minutes. Right? <laughs> so the work yeah, for men, I, a huge piece of their work is building stamina. And then I have all kinds of information on my YouTube channel and in my podcasts about how to do all of these things and in my online programs. Gosh, so cool. Um, this kind of reminds me of something because when you talk about flexing that muscle and using it like you would in the gym, I had a pelvic floor, um, I guess, exam um, from somebody. And there were definitely parts where I was numb and there was parts where I had some scar tissue and just being aware of that. And she also mentioned, and maybe this is something that you can dive into a little bit more because I find it just extremely fascinating that having your pelvic floor muscles and your vaginal muscles is really connected as well to your heart chakra. And if you can open up there, then you can open up vaginally and receive and and let go and and bring somebody in and 
it's basically like the pussy welcoming, welcoming that person into your energetic body. Is that kind of along the lines with some of the teachings that you talk about as well? Yes, definitely. So we'll talk about sexual reflexology in a moment because you've hit on something really important there. But I'll also give you a contrasting example of what you said of like a very welcoming, receptive pussy, which is a beautiful description. So I noticed early on in my work that some people, and in, in an OBGYN circles, they they never really often know the origin of things. They just give it these blanket terms. So there's all these terms for Volvo, whatever, Volvo bullshitia, I call it. And they like, they, for example, a woman who has what I call a vagina on lockdown where she's actually isn't able to really open. So it's the opposite of receptive. And then what I would see with these women is that they often had history of sexual abuse or sexual violence. They were in a marriage where it was a totally loveless marriage, sometimes even an arranged marriage. And so their vaginas were on lockdown. And yet nobody, nobody was making the connection between a vagina that actually didn't want to have sex or a vagina that had been traumatized and the fact that it was on shutdown, right? And so that was a huge thing to understand that trauma shows up in the body. As Wim Hof says, the issues in our tissues. And we internalize these issues, especially anything, all things sexual in our reproductive organs. And so the symptoms are indicative of the cause, right? And so when we, for example, this one woman she was a, a an Indian woman and she had been in this arranged marriage. And for 10, 15 years, she either wasn't having sex or the sex she was having was very uncomfortable and painful because her vagina wouldn't open. And she amazingly had the courage to leave this marriage. And she went out and found a new partner and problem was gone totally gone. She's like gushing and lubricating all over the place. She's like, I don't know what happened. You know, like I, suddenly my <laughs> vagina is enjoying itself and having pleasure. Yeah. Right. And because we're not taught, I guess, to think in these frameworks, it's like, well, your vagina actually wants to have sex with this person. So imagine that it's open and mm. wet and juicy. So that's a huge thing. And then, so the work that we do then is focusing on clearing out that space, like addressing those traumas, healing them, transforming them so that the, the tissues, everything that's in there stored energetically, physically, psychosomatically gets released. And we're able to then occupy these organs and allow them to be the pleasure receptors, the creative engines that they truly are. And then when you talked about Sexual, the well, you know, sexual reflexology. So, in the Taoist framework, they, the same way that they've mapped out reflexology zones on the hands and the feet and the ears, they've also mapped them out on the genitals, on the penis and the vagina. And so, the heart point for women is the cervix. And mm. so, the cervix is also connected to the vagus nerve, which is considered to be the most spiritual nerve in the body. This energy pathway that's going all the way up from the cervix through the heart to the crown chakra. And I talk about cervical orgasms as being the queen of all female orgasms. And again, every single woman on the planet is able to have them. And that when we have them, it's like this massive spiritual cataclysmic ecstatic rebirthing experience that we can have every day. And so what part of the 
path to get there is to go through, say, yoni massage, going in there, opening, massaging, releasing any kind of tension, potential trauma, working with a jade egg to bring that connection back. So then when we're not numbed out and dissociating from the genitals, we can occupy them and then allow these deeper experiences to happen. Because where we go in these deeper, say, vaginal orgasms is utter surrender, utter vulnerability, utter openness. And if you have any reservation about going there, you won't get these orgasms. They're not like, oh, I'll just go and find someone to have sex with tonight and have a cervical orgasm. Like generally it's not going to work like that. These are orgasms that emerge in cultivated situations of deep openness and trust. And is this also, because I love what you said about, you know, being numbed out and dissociated with a person, because I feel like a lot of women deal with this. I know that I have for a long time. I was just, you know, what, what, what we talked about earlier, the five minute pump and dump and then you're in and out and whatever. And you're like, Ooh, yay, this is great. Okay. I'm over this. Um, and so I feel like that kind of creates these neural pathways and you just start thinking that way. So you're, you get numb down there and you just don't really fully embrace it. Well, look, if you're a woman, as I think most women have had this experience then of having a lover who's very short-lived and also buying into this cultural or scientific even narrative that women orgasm through the clitoris and therefore the vagina doesn't even really have a function, right? In Western science and thought is that it's really just there as a receptacle for cum, honestly, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. If they're saying there's no vaginal orgasms, no internal orgasms, then there's not much there for a woman. And so she's then going to numb out, especially then if the repeated experience is of a man just dumping even unconsciously inside of her, then she's going to start to shut down and be like, well, I don't even really want that experience, right? I'm just kind of being used. That's the energy that's often going there. And so, yeah, a woman's going to then think she has a low libido when really the low libido just means she doesn't want to have shitty sex, right? (laughs) right? But she doesn't have the words to articulate that, or she's even like, oh, am I the only one? Or why don't I like this experience of someone fucking me for five minutes and then falling asleep? Like, why don't I like that? Am I (laughs) non-sexual? Like Mm -hmm. there's just all this confusion and miseducation about, again, what's really possible. And then thinking that, oh, well, if I don't like that, I guess I'm not a very sexual person. No, you just don't like shitty sex. (laughs) So we agree, you know, we support you. I don't like shitty sex either. And somehow again, like, I, you know, my first orgasms were vaginal orgasms. And so I had very early this template for what sex was meant to be like, you know, I had a a clitoral orgasm later in the game. And, and so my view of sex was from the beginning, pretty near the beginning that it was a very transcendental, transcendental, powerful, life-changing experience. I know I, to me, it was a spiritual awakening type experience. And so I was very, very early from my own experiences able to then question the dominant narrative at large, because I already had a different version of what that could be like. Right. Right. And when we talk about that kind of spiritual aspect to sex and orgasm, particularly when it comes to the cervical orgasm, I don't think I've ever had one before. So I definitely want to, (laughs) I'm totally in to figure this out. Um, 
but is that I have done sex magic practices for manifestation and connecting to the chakras. Is that kind of similar when it comes to the cervical orgasm or is, do you talk about sex magic at all? Well, I, I, I may not use that phrase so much, but I always talk about the idea that our sexual energy is life force energy. And if we're not creating right. babies with it, then we ought to be consciously using that energy to create things in our life. So yes, I absolutely focus on that concept and then teaching people how to consciously harvest that energy and utilize it in the world. I often say I'm hashtag powered by vagina because my vagina creates my world, right? My sexual energy births my ideas out into the world. My projects, my visions are birthed through my sexual energy. So mm -hmm. the cervix is a whole other, you know, I consider that to be the epicenter of feminine energy. And like I said, that's, it's really a barometer. Like if we think about orgasms as a barometer, these deeper vaginal orgasms, like G-spot orgasms, and especially the cervical orgasm are, as I said, they only will happen when a woman is truly open and surrendered. And so if she has blockages within herself, with her whole sexual expression, if there are blockages in the relationship, she won't get to these places. Like let's say that the couple has an argument at breakfast, right? And it doesn't really get resolved. They don't fully come to an understanding with it. And at, at night they go to bed and whatever, whatever reason they don't, they choose not to deal with that or they have a habit, let's say, of just, you know, sweeping things under the carpet and they go to have sex and maybe he comes too fast or she doesn't really lubricate very well. And she's probably not going to get to orgasm because there's this energy of, of blockage in the space of things that have not been resolved. And so everything shows up in bed. So we use our orgasms, we use our bodies, even the strength of an erection or the amount of lubrication that a woman produces as signs of the, the, the temperature within ourselves and also within the relationship itself. Mm, I talk about that quite often because I think that's such an awesome point to make. Just the fact that if we're not dealing with some of the stuff that's coming up in the relationship or any fears or insecurities that we haven't talked about, you know, like we said, if you haven't worked through any arguments, it shows up in bed. And I, I mean, I recognize that within myself and my past relationship of not feeling totally safe in, in the relationship. And that would absolutely show up in the bedroom. And I found myself thinking exactly what you said again, maybe I don't have a high libido or maybe I'm just really not into sex or maybe I can't have an orgasm. And so it just really starts it's, it's sad, but it starts really messing with your head and you think there's something wrong with me. Right. And I think that that's partly this it, born out of the Western scientific model of, of just physical causality, right? Like that, oh, that, that we're not, they're not, there's no credence paid to the emotional and psychological underlying factors, right? It's like if we put five women in a lab and we stimulate their G-spot and they don't have G-spot orgasms, that means they don't exist. And they've actually done study, quote, they call them studies, right? They've done things like that. And then that misinformation gets perpetuated and thrown out there. And so that's why I think that people often in so even in, like in the world of holistic wellness where people are looking for alternative avenues for all parts of their life nutrition exercise spirituality 
health and healing. And then when they find my work that has a holistic lens then on sex and intimacy, it's very exciting because here's now a deeper explanation and not only an explanation, but a problem, an ability to solve these issues, right? These are solutions that actually work to dig into this stuff because often this is the Rosetta Stone, right? Like in a person's life, if even if they're health conscious and diet conscious and exercise and have a spiritual path, if they haven't addressed their sexual issues, that's it can still suck all of that stuff into their life like a vortex. And on the con, you know, the opposite, when somebody's really occupying their sexuality, they've done their sexual work, they've cleared their blockages, they truly own themselves as a sexual being, that then uplifts and accelerates the progress in all parts of their lives. And then that's when you start shooting ping pong balls out of your vagina. <laughs> <laughs> right. Having a self-realized vagina where you yeah. fully own it and it's strengthened and you've integrated that energy into yourself. I can't wait. I was just, I was talking to a friend of mine. I can't wait to have like an after party at my house one night and I just start moving as my party trick. I just move furniture with my vagina. Well, we've got a moving company that we've started, Vagina Movers. So if you'd like to Stop. be part of really? that. Really? That we move furniture, then we all get together and tie ropes from our vaginas, the jade egg and the vagina, and then move furniture. So love to hire you for that. Wow. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. (laughs) Okay. I was like, what? (laughs) This chick is nuts. (laughs) That's wild. Um, But how do you, how do you move furniture and shoot ping pong balls? I mean, I, the only way that I've seen or the only time that I've seen ping pong balls being fired out of vaginas is like at a late night bar in Thailand. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, look, my assertion is that this is the normal healthy baseline for every vagina is to be able to shoot ping pong balls, open beer bottles, shoot a dart out there, you know, eat a banana, whatever. That's the normal healthy baseline. And yet in most parts of the world, especially in Western culture, what's considered normal or has been normalized is women with crazy urinary incontinence issues, pelvic organ prolapse. Like the Yale University School of Medicine says that up to 60% of women have issues of urinary incontinence. And 50% of women after childbirth have issues of pelvic organ prolapse. So part of their anatomy is literally falling out. This is fucked, Mm. right? Like this has become normalized, but it's not normal. This should not be happening to anyone ever. So this tells you that there's a massive, massive knowledge and teaching gap in the world, right? Especially in, in the Western OBGYN frame. So the whole idea of this is that vaginas also need exercise. And back in 1947, Dr. Kegel, uh, in his infinite wisdom, created this exercise, the Kegel exercise to strengthen the pelvic floor, the vaginal canal in women so that they would primarily his intention was to prevent and stop urinary incontinence because there were also already issues with this in his practice. So he created this device called the Kegel perineal meter that you put inside the vagina and then you contract around it, right? So just like with any weightlifting practice, you use weights for feedback and for resistance. You don't just throw your arms and legs up in the air and think that you had a good workout. So he had a 90% success rate with this procedure, with this exercise in his patients and of curing urinary incontinence. And then as the exercise began to make its way out in the world, 
it got adapted where doctors stopped telling people to use the device in the vagina. So they were basically just telling women to flap their vaginas at random in the wind. And immediately the success rate, 10 to 50%, and it's been dropping ever since. So the exercise that most people think of as a Kegel, right? Oh, just clench your muscles. That's not even the original exercise. That is some watered down, completely ineffective version of it. And I honestly think the reason why that's even happened is because doctors are terrified to tell women to go home and put something in their vaginas. And so they Mm. created this, you know, bizarre dilution of the exercise. So in my studies, because I'd been practicing Taoist sexual sexuality type techniques, the jade egg was part of that study. And so this involves putting a jade egg, which has become highly popularized now, courtesy of my vagina, but putting an egg that's carved into the shape. Yeah. Jade that's put into this carved like an egg, put that in the vagina. It has a hole drilled through it. You put string through it and then you can attach any number of objects to it, right? Like I (laughs) attach everything from green coconuts to Murano glass chandeliers to I've lifted a piece of the Berlin wall at the Berlin wall because it's the great wall of vagina. So I've traveled all over the world trying to exemplify the power of the vagina by lifting objects indigenous to various regions with my vagina, with the hashtag things I lift with my vagina. So this campaign went mega viral a few years ago. And has really brought this out to the forefront that women are lacking strength, they're lacking connection, and that having a superstar, powerful vagina is what ought to be normal. And so, you know, in my practice, let's, you know, this is like going back a little bit now, you know, women would come to me, this was before I put this out into the world, and they'd be confiding, like, you know, I do my Kegels, but I feel like they just don't work. And they thought they were the only ones, right? They felt ashamed because they thought that somehow something was wrong with them. And I realized these aren't working for anybody. And then that's when I began teaching the egg. I began teaching workshops and private classes. And then I brought this out into the world at large. And I think a reason why it's been so well received in many areas, you know, from gynecologists and doctors to midwives and doulas, physiotherapists all over the planet is because this is an under- valued, not examined, not addressed and poorly, poorly addressed if it ever is issue, right? Where so many women have fears of going on a trampoline with their child because they're afraid they're going to pee themselves or even running. Women have to wear these pads. So this Mm -hmm. is a place where women have been just patted on the head to be like, oh no, there's nothing you can do about this. Or they recommended these insanely traumatic, terrible surgeries, like putting pelvic mesh in the vagina. You've probably seen these litigation, these all these massive lawsuits that have been brought against companies like Johnson & Johnson for recommending the stupidest, you know, so-called Band-Aid for these issues in women that don't even work and damage them for life. And all you need to do is exercise your vagina. That is the answer, right? Simple, simple answer. Exercise your vagina. And you too can shoot ping pong balls, have more pleasure and sensation, increase your orgasmic potential, have dripping lubrication because circulation equals lubrication. If you're not exercising this area, there's no blood flow, then you have no lubrication. It's that simple. So all of these things are connected. Plus you remove that dissociation and that numbness. Like why would a woman want to have sex when she doesn't feel anything? 
right? If that yeah, area feels numb, why would you want to have sex? So mm-hmm. all of this, all of this, you know, is remedied by using a jade egg. And even, I mean, I read on your Instagram or maybe it was your website that you can have up to 20 orgasms in a row. And that comes from working out your vagina. Yes. It comes from working out my vagina and from working on my internal stuff, right? Like I said, Mm -hmm. it's twofold. I would say that the route to sexual enlightenment isn't just about the physical. It's about all of this deeper, as I said, clearing blockages, addressing these internal things that you have that could be holding you back. So it's a combination. And then the way that I teach the jade egg work in my vaginal Kung Fu program isn't just about physical exercises. I do, I lead people through guided MP3s and guided visualizations, but it's a whole deep dive into your whole psycho, emotional, spiritual, energetic terrain of your sexuality and the vagina, because it's not just a physical thing. If it was just a physical thing, right? Everybody could be doing these things, shooting ping pong balls or having G-spot orgasms, but they're not. And why is that? It's because there's all of these deeper underlying issues that people usually don't understand or don't understand how significant they are. Like say the example earlier of women having vaginas on lockdown and not understanding that there's all of these other factors that contribute to that. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And and also just being, because kind of, I also saw on there that you're talking about when you make love with somebody being at that frequency of love, and this can be solo or with, you know, a partner. And so I'd love to dive into a little bit of, of partner love and partner love making and how you bring in the, the passion and the intimacy into a couple's sex lives. Well, I'm a big proponent of the idea of Well, okay. I mean, I have a few different principles that I would say make up what I call gourmet sex. So gourmet sex versus junk food sex. Gourmet sex, meaning like a gourmet meal. It's something that's nourishing. It has vitamins and nutrients and positive energy and power, and it actually contributes to the nourishment and building of your system versus junk food sex or food, which is maybe a quick hit, a quick burst of excitement or a sugar high. And then there's this decline, like a plummet in energy or not feeling so good. So I'm all about, exactly. So I'm all about cultivating gourmet sex. And so the ingredients I would say of gourmet sex would be radical honesty. So rather than having a agreement, like sort of a tacit agreement of don't ask, don't tell, or not telling the truth or white lies or sins of omission or outright lies that we have a commitment to fully showing up and communicating with radical honesty and that we prioritize the relationship. So I often recommend for people that if they're not regularly having sex, then they schedule sex, right? So they, I suggest that all couples have a weekly three-hour sex date set in stone, non-negotiable. Wow. Arrange your schedules, childcare, whatever it takes to have this time. And, and what do you say to people who say that that takes the sexy out of sex? Well, look, if you're already having sex three to four times a week and you're having three-hour sex dates, then fine. Don't schedule them. (laughs) But if you're not, then you don't really have a leg to stand on. And think about it. Like, Does does knowing that you're going to work out at two o'clock make your workout any less fun? No. I mean, I'm so down for a three-hour sex date. I I would like to schedule that (laughs) in on the reg, like day after day. (laughs) 
<laughs> sign me up. You know what? Let's just do it back to back. In fact, let's make that my new job. Yeah, totally. <laughs> well, I mean, people, I think it can be a mental shift for people initially. Like, oh, do we, how do we, what are we, three hours of intercourse? And eventually, yes. When you're having the kind of sex that I teach people about, yes, three hours of intercourse is no problemo. But initially it could involve mutual massage, oral stimulation, manual stimulation. Just what it isn't is uh, a movie or a walk in the park or dinner. It's actually three hours of intimate naked time together. And Mm. so once you get used to that and you prioritize that, it becomes your sanctuary. This becomes the place you go to refuel. Right. And so I've had people in my practice over the years where, let's say, every Thursday afternoon, doctor, dentist, lawyer, like they would be, you know, I never see a patient or a client Thursday afternoon from two to five. I go home and I fuck my wife or I fuck my husband. You know, that is our time. Or if that's a Friday night where you always arrange some kind of childcare or sleepover or a hotel room, whatever it takes to preserve that. And this is knowing that your relationship, And making that connection all powerful, I call it superpower couples, you then, that becomes the place that feeds every other part of your life. When the two of you are fully in sync, you're operating at this high level, not just a power couple, but I call it a superpower couple, where you get so much energy that you then infuse that into all parts of your life. You're literally making love. You're making this energy, this high quality, potent life force energy, and then you go out and then you share that with the world. So I suggest a three hour weekly sex date and then at least a couple of other times during the week. And often mornings are the best morning sex. You start your day off with a bang where, you know, instead of, or in place or as well as meditating or a coffee, you have sex, you get the same kind of neurotransmitter and hormonal kicks from sex that you do from meditation and coffee. And so set your alarm half an hour earlier, have a shorter 30 minute sex date. And as long as you're women, yeah, sorry, women also wake up with like lady boners, right? Just like men do. Both, you know, women and men. I love morning sex. That's probably one of my favorite times to have sex. At the end of the night, people are often tired. They're exhausted. They've had a full day and they don't have a lot of quality energy to give and exchange with their partner. So if you have it, you know, great. And the nighttime works for you, great. But I often tell people who are looking to find time or say, you know, give me the excuse that they're too exhausted at the end of the day as to do it in the morning instead. Even if your kids get up at five, great, you get up at 4.30, you know, like, and then you go to bed earlier. You make it a lifestyle change to support and nurture this superpower source of your relationship. So scheduling, yeah, what's that? I'm saying I don't have kids, but I would imagine that if I did and I had morning sex prior to starting my day off with them, that I would just be a better mother. (laughs) Yes. Exactly. It makes you a better everything, a better human. You have Mm -hmm. more patience, more compassion. Like think about the times when you've been very well fucked, when you had a really incredible opening cataclysmic sexual encounter, and then you go out into the world. How do you feel? You're floating. You're in sync. You're in a flow. You Things come to you and they kind of bounce off of you. Somebody cuts you off in traffic. You're like, oh, it's all right. You go ahead. No you know, like you're just yeah. a different person. And this I'm is well what, fucked today. <laughs> I'm right. good. 
<laughs> yes, exactly. And I've, you know, I have this meme, the well-fucked woman, which is all about this idea that when you're truly well-fucked, and this applies to men and women, but I, I'd happen to make a, a whole meme about it for women, especially, is that you're a different person. You radiate differently. You act differently. You feel differently. People respond to you differently because you're inhabiting this part, this whole being, your whole self. And your entire experience in the world is different. Yes. So speaking of being a well-fucked woman, so you're saying that morning sex is really good to to have and then also schedule in these three-hour sex dates. Is there anything else? Yes. Use a jade egg. As a woman, I would highly recommend that you get back in touch with your vagina. You exercise your vagina. As a couple performing yoni and lingam massages, I have some great videos on this on my YouTube channel that doing this for each other or for yourself just helps you to wake up, reconnect, inhabit these parts of yourself, helps to release any tension, any trauma that has been stored in there over the years. Like sometimes people will receive a genital massage and they'll just start crying in the middle of it. And they can't even identify where the tears or this sadness or whatever it is, is coming from. And that doesn't even matter. It's just a way of releasing things that have been locked in there. And look, you know, for somebody else or in another experience, it can be total ecstasy and nurturing and having this loving, adoring attention slathered on your genitals, which is the essence of who we are. So all of that helps us to inhabit these parts of ourselves to be truly seen and adored in these places that are the essence of who we are. So those are another great tool. And overall, another tool that I recommend for people is something I I call clearing the glass. And so this is in the spirit of transparency and radical honesty, but imagine that you have a clear pane of glass between the two of you and you're on one side and your partner's on the other side. And when you're open and communicating and expressing what's really in your hearts, the the glass is clean and clear. You can see each other through it clearly. But when you're holding back, as I said, if you're telling a white lie, you start to create these splotches on the glass. And couples who may have had years or decades of unresolved issues of of putting mud on the glass have some additional cleaning and clearing work to do. So I even recommend connecting dates for couples where they have two to three times a week, maybe 30 minutes at a time, where they sit down and address the deeper meat and viscera of their relationship. So this isn't about children or work or chores or the admin of their lives. It's about the deeper intimate issues that are in their relationship. It could be that argument from breakfast time. It could be issues that are years old that we've tried to rationalize away and brush under the carpet, but truly are still in the space for us. It's like relationship feng shui, right? We're trying to clear out the clutter, the accumulated debris that's in the energetic space between us. And this is vital for us to have this truly, um, connected, deep surrender trust in the relationship, that kind of level of clearing work has to be done. Right, right. It's almost like these practices kind of take you out of the default mode. Because if you just go straight home, you're not you're not consciously connecting in that way. You talk about business, or you talk about the kids, or you talk about what happened that day with your neighbors. I don't know. Because that's the default mode. We don't want to really dive into what's been going on in the relationship because that can be really scary, right? Because radical honesty can be totally terrifying. 
for a lot of people, especially if it's built up over time. But I love that these practices take effort because it is going to take effort that you want to put into betterment of the relationship to get out of the default mode and see what's really there between you guys. Yeah, exactly. That's beautifully said. Um, I agree. That's exactly it. And people can be, especially if their mode, if they've both defaulted to don't ask, don't tell, don't rock the boat, let's not really go there, right? Then I guarantee that they're not going to be having, if they're even having sex at that point, it won't be very good. Somebody's going to have a low libido or a dry vagina or a very lackluster erection or have growths starting to pop up on their reproductive organs. And they'll attribute this to random, right? Oh, this is just happening. There's no connection between the health and the status of our intimate relationship and all of these other symptoms. To me, these are direct symptoms that are telling us that there are blockages within the energetic flow of the couple. Right. And also reading on your site, you talk about, which I love, you talk about conscious monogamy. Um, cause I'm very, I'm very open about, I was in a long-term open relationship and I think those relationships can be very beautiful for a lot of people. And I, I learned so much about myself. Um, but I'd love to get your take on your definition of what monogamy is because it's so beautiful and it kind of goes in line with exactly what we were just talking about. Oh, thank you. Well, look, I I know that there are all kinds of ideas and explorations out there these days. And I think it's wonderful that people are open and discussing things and challenging norms. And something that I talk about and help people to cultivate in my work is what I call conscious monogamy. And often the argument against monogamy is that it doesn't work or we weren't meant to be monogamous or, you know, if it works, look at all these terrible relationships. And I And my counterpoint to that is, well, I agree with you, but here's the thing. I would say that 99.9% of people don't actually have what I would call monogamy or conscious monogamy, Mm -hmm. meaning most people have just defaulted. They've accepted this kind of social construct of, oh, we're monogamous, which means we don't have sex with other people, you know, and that's it. They haven't really... (laughs) they haven't really done anything else apart from negate something. They haven't said, well, what do we want in our relationship? So for me, conscious monogamy and and what I teach is having a true, things I've been discussing, these qualities are what I would call the, the fabric of conscious monogamy, where you have a very open, expressed, deep, emotional, surrendered, barriers down, truly dived in, surrendered connection with your partner. And you are sexually, same thing. You dove in, you've cleared your blockages, you've allowed yourself to be fully open and laid bare and vulnerable with your partner. Now, I, like I said, 99.9% of people I see or in, or in the world who think they're in a monogamous relationship do not have that. What they have mm-hmm. is a shitty relationship, right? right exactly. They have society's like, you just keep yeah. doing your shitty relationship and don't talk about anything and just put up the white t- picket fence. No one will tell. Yeah. yeah. And so for the people who argue that that doesn't work, I agree with you. That doesn't work. That, But that's right. not what I would call monogamy. That's just a bad relationship. And most people have bad or shall we say maybe unconscious relationships. And so the whole point then of conscious monogamy is really committing to deep diving, working on your stuff, being vulnerable, confronting your fears, doing all of this deep feng shui on your genitals, on your hearts, and then meeting each other in that place. And in that place, what I've seen and experienced is that 
people really don't crave outside influences in that space because they've caught to this incredibly powerful, potent energy space with each other. And so they're not really craving to bring other people into that space, even if they were people who did prior to that. And then when they found this new way of being with each other, and I'm not putting one down over the other, I'm just saying that you know, making the case for conscious monogamy. And that often, like I said, the, cr- the criticism of monogamy is of something that I wouldn't support either. And instead, right. what I'm really moving people towards is this version of conscious monogamy that I think does work and is extremely powerful. And when you truly have that, this can be the bedrock and the foundation for everything that you do in your entire life. You truly occupy then, like I said, this gourmet sex superpower couple status where you become even more powerful in every aspect of your life, in your work, in your health, in your creativity, as parents, in your financial expression, everything becomes magnified and elevated through this connection, but only when you hit this superpower status of say, you know, whether it's conscious monogamy, but this deep conscious commitment to this work with each other. Does that all make sense if I explained that well? Yeah, no, that, that's absolutely perfect. It's it's awesome because, and I completely agree with you. It's really making the effort and putting in, you know, choosing monogamy and the path between you guys and the spiritual awakening through each other every single day. Like I love, we've had Tammy Nelson on the show and she talks about, you know, monogamy being kind of like a, a yoga practice, knowing that it's going to be a bit challenging, but you decide to choose it every single day. And then what you choose, what are the practices that you're doing together? What are the conversations that you're having? What is the effort that you're really giving to each other? What I find interesting that when I work with a lot of my clients, regardless of what type of relationship container they're in, I ask, okay, have you thought about what your optimal situation is? Like if you could paint your perfect relationship, what would that look like? Like, you know, I've never thought of that before. (laughs) Exactly. That's being conscious about what you want because most people are operating from the unconscious, from these default messages and paradigms that they've internalized and absorbed from the culture at large and their parents, their family. And so most things that people have been modeled are pretty unhealthy, right? And and destructive and not hitting these high elevated places. And so, yes, I think that's a crucial question and point of awareness for people is what do you want to create? And then for most people, they, again, they don't even know what's possible. So what I said about me trying to paint pictures of what's truly possible for people is really important because most of the input we would have had would still have us existing or subsisting at a subpar level, right? Rather than Oh, look, you know, 10, 10 cervical orgasms in a row every day, having three hour sex date, a man who can have 10 orgasms in a row without ejaculating, feeling like you're high after you have sex. To me, that's normal, right? And mm-hmm. that can be cultivated by anyone if they do the work. Feeling like you're high after sex. I always call that cum dumb. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's come smart though. Like when I'm high after sex, I'm always really creative. Like I'm running to my laptop to write ideas down. Like a dumb in the sense that I'm not stuck in my head, right? Like not in my my mind. It's like blah, blah, blah kind of circles mind, but more like my creative mind gets Mm. liberated and I'm very, very, yes, in a very beautiful state. 
I'm going to try that next time though, because for me, it's just totally being present, totally being relaxed, like open, happy, kind of like flowy, just blissed out. And I just call that come down because that's just what came to me. <laughs> it's not like the best. Come terminology. dumb, but smart. That's but, what yeah. I call it. Come dumb, but pretty smart. Right. But I'm really excited now to like take that idea of bringing like the cre- creativity post orgasm and being like, okay, let me see what is flowing now. Let me see what doors have opened for me and where, you know, where I can really explore in my, either within my body with anything that's coming up or spiritually. Yes. I have a formula that I suggest for people, whether you're solo or in a couple and it's meditate, masturbate, create. And so you spend, like, let's say if it was a single person, especially we use the term masturbation, but it could be coupled to, um, you spend five, 10, 15 minutes meditating, say chanting, whatever that looks like for you. And then you self-pleasure for another 15, 20, maybe 30 minutes. And I have a video about this um, self-pleasure 101, I believe on my um, YouTube channel. And talking about this formula and then you, you know, using certain breathing exercises as you're self-pleasuring to really harvest the sexual energy. And then you go out and do something consciously creative. This could be writing. It could be gardening. It could be playing with your children, anything. But as long as you're aware that you've now tapped into this power source of your sexual energy and you're infusing it into everything that you do, meditate, masturbate, create. All right, good. I I know what I'm doing this week. I'll tell you that much. And then moving from there, I wanted to hear more about being a well-fucked woman because I know you have something coming out in July and everyone listening wants to be a well-fucked woman. I want to be a well-fucked woman. So what, what do you have going on? So I have a salon called How to Be a Well-Fucked Woman. I have a whole series of online sexual education programs for men, women, couples, vaginas, and pregnant women and baby makers. And so How to Be a Well-Fucked Woman is all about the art of surrender and opening. So we talk all about these different levels of vaginal orgasms and all sorts of orgasms and how to get there, how to really occupy and harness the power of your femininity, how to clear these sexual blocks that I've been talking about and then, you know, own more of your communication, your boundary setting in relationship, and then conscious sex acts. Like I'd like to think about the metaphysics of different sex acts, like deep throating, anal sex, how anal sex can bring you closer to God, how deep throating can help you to find your voice. Nothing helps you find your voice like a cock way down deep into your throat. (laughs) So I like to talk about all of the power and energies that can be cultivated through all sorts of sex acts, plus some of my favorite techniques. So that's coming up, yes, in, I believe it begins in the beginning of August. And there's a free preview video series with some of these breathing practices that you can try tonight on my website under the Well-Fucked Woman Salon. And the counterpart for that in men is Sexual Mastery for Men. And there's breathing practices in that free video series on my site as well. But this whole, I mean, I'll tell you a humorous story about this Well-Fucked woman idea is that years ago, I I used to have a gym in my studio and I'd go there every day and I would, this German fellow who's like middle-aged guy would come and see me. We'd always be in the gym together at the same time. And he would be He'd be like, "Oh, Kim, ah, oh, you're really getting some, hey." And I'd be like, "What? How, how do you how do you know that?" Or I'd come in, he'd be like, "Oh, Kim, it's been a while, hey." <laughs> I 
Mm-mm. How does he know what? that I'm well fucked or not? Right. And he could totally read it. And he was always right. He was hundred percent right. He could tell. And then over the years in my work, this began to be something that I could see in my clients. And there was one time I was running this mastermind group and, um, this woman was in the group and she was really the epitome of what you would call a wallflower. Like she was really just blending in very quiet, shy, timid. And I spoke to her and I said, look, you know, like you have to start contributing to that. I spoke to her privately about into this group and you can't just be there like that, you know, and, and what's going on. And she was like crying and then she was laughing and then she was angry. And I realized this woman is like the word that came to mind was hysterical. And the word hysterical or hysteria comes from the ancient, the Latin of an uneasy womb. And this is what they called basically an underfucked woman is that she was hysterical, that her womb was struggling to find pleasure and was wandering all over her body and creating all of these mood issues with her. And then when I spoke to her, she told me that she was in this sexless marriage. She hadn't had sex with her partner for about two years. And now they decided they wanted to have a baby. And I was like, oh my gosh. And so I wrote this article for Playboy back in the day about underfucked women and the tragedy of what we call fukme, females utterly freaking out about absolutely nothing due to lack of felt due to lack of phallic shapes near in or around their vaginas leading to cataclysmic psychopathic moments of intense and troubling repressed sexual tension, otherwise known as hukme. <laughs> and so there's a video on my YouTube channel on the epidemic of sexually unfulfilled women, which is a PSA about fukme. And so this became this whole thing. And then I began to see this in my clients, you know, going forward and could identify that when a woman is truly well fucked and occupying her sexual energy, she radiates out this beauty, this magnetism, this je ne sais quoi. Regardless of what her physical appearance is, it's an energy quality that she's inhabiting and people are picking up on. So one of the stories I had, a client of mine did this meditate, masturbate, create practice. Once she tried it once and she went out into the town and was walking down the street. And this guy comes bounding across the street, running from one side of the street to the other side of the street was like, Oh my God, I just have to have your number. Can I call you? Like she was mad. And and like later that afternoon, another guy hits her up for her number where she's inhabiting that energy and wearing it to the point that it's palpable for the people around you. So this is this quality of well fuckingness. Then people begin to radiate out of them. And the same thing is for men, but I feel like for women, it's a real, because women are really expressive in this way of the feminine expression of beauty, that it's either she's really hiding that and contracting into herself, or she's really allowing that to come out of her and be seen and visible. So this is the whole concept of being well-fucked. And again, men have the same energy. They're either really contracted and in a shell. Often they become more soft and effeminate. And when they're truly inhabiting more of their sexual power and energy, they can become stronger and confident and even more dominant and masculine in their presentation. And so this is that tangible quality of inhabiting and wearing your sexual energy. And that's so attractive. I mean, for both sexes, right? And yes. But speaking from personally, if I find a man who is just very confident and strong and like centered within who they are and they're interested in learning more about themselves sexually and women and the whole thing, I just find that 
it's magnetic. It's it's hard, as you said, the person runs across the street to grab your number because they just can't right. help it. It really draws them in. I mean, this is every time before I go on a date now, I'm probably going to uh, have to meditate, masturbate, and create. Yes. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> totally. This is the best pre-date exercise because you're wearing that. I would do that before public speaking events, right? I would have a good self-pleasure or a you know, deep-throating session to find my voice even more <laughs> before public speaking <laughs> as a secret weapon, right? Because now you're wearing this magnetism, this energy, this vitality that's true, right? This isn't like trying to be really magnetic. This is something that's mm-hmm. coming from the inside and just flowing out of you that people pick up on and are attracted to. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I mean, this was so amazing. This episode, I cannot wait for people to listen to this because there's so much goodness and juiciness in there. And I just know people are going to love it. So um, Kim, let us know where everyone can find you, where they can sign up for any of your workshops or your retreats. I know we're kind of in a weird space right now for that. But if they can, you know, where can they find all of this amazing information and just change their lives? Awesome. So kimanami.com is my website and there's a tab there called Sexual Savant Salons. And these are all of my online programs that I referred to earlier, including The Well Fucked Woman. And each of them has a free preview video series that you can watch. And then there's even exercises that you can practice. So this gives you a taste of the kind of work that I do and what these salons, these online courses could be like, should you wish to join them. Also, my YouTube channel has a lot of great videos on it. My orgasmic enlightenment podcast has great stuff on it and then my instagram as well at kim anami so i'd love to see you on any of those channels yeah there you go guys all right so you know deep throat and meditate masturbate and create <laughs> the Thank secret you so much, to success <laughs> that's right that's right <laughs> thanks kim my pleasure thanks for having me Hey, we hope you enjoyed this podcast. And if you did, it would help us a lot if you would leave a review. Yeah, leave a review, subscribe. We want to know how you guys felt about the episode. It really helps us out a lot to continue the success of the podcast and keep spreading our message.